Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James. Welcome to another episode of the Keys 107, the host show here on the Keys 107 Network. I am your co-host, Rafika, and my co-host, Brother James, is in the house. And you know what I always say, when Brother James is in the house, expect something wonderful to happen. And Brother James is in the house. So we are expecting wonderful things to happen on this wonderful, wonderful September evening. We're going to be talking to a magnificent author, uh, speaker, scientist, brother, who will enlighten us with some wisdom on how we can live uh, healthy and long lives. So, Fika, how are you doing today? You know, Brother James, every time um, we get ready to go live, I get so excited. I love talking to you and all of our listeners, helping everybody take one step further to opening doors to endless possibility in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness. And tonight, we're just going to focus on the health key because that is near and dear to our hearts. And we have one of our special guests who is back for an encore and an encore and an encore visit here on the Keys. And he's going to be talking about the seven principles of optimum health and longevity. Okay. Now, talking about healthy, do we have a healthy tip today that we can get this program started? We certainly do. Medea Allen is here. Is she up next? The Keys 107 and com present the healthy tip of the day. The healthy tip of the day is to drink your food. Digestion actually begins in the mouth upon chewing food when saliva is released from your salivary glands. Before swallowing each bite of food, chew it until it becomes liquid, approximately 30 to 50 times. Chewing your food thoroughly until you are essentially drinking your food allows you to efficiently digest and to better assimilate nutrients from what you eat. Today's healthy tip of the day has been brought to you by Organic Soul Chef Medea Allen. And for more wholesome eating and living tips, visit Organic Soul Chef. Now, 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 back to the keys. One oh seven with your host, Rafika and Brother James. The first of family is turned up in the sky. Plus, Zenith the Alphabet is available on Amazon.com. 
and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online, www.thefluffamily.com. And you know, we are here speaking to uh, Chef Kitty, who is a raw foods expert, and we're going to go into a little deeper into just what does that mean. But I just let, need to let our listening audience know that the fluff are vegetarian. Wow. See, we need to let them know that because we got the conscious roster on the line and <laughs> want to just say a little bit about our brother because he has a vast amount of knowledge and experience, but the man has done so much over the years. He's an author and a lecturer, and he has written over 28 books, and this is uh, on various topics, but mostly on how we can live better, you know, through the superfoods, which is something that he has really uh, honed in uh, and actually done plenty of research and has delivered much of this information to us in the past and continues to do so. I just want to point out one thing, Rafika, that most of our audience may or may not know. The man has an inclination to music. He has produced uh 25 records or albums over a period of years. That's somewhat in the past, but we know he still has those skills. But we just want to mention that because, you know, you don't lose that. That's your rhythm. That's your biorhythm. So I just want to say to you, um, uh, Brother Katie and the listening audience, it is our honor and our privilege to um, have you come back on board with us and to talk to us today about... um, Excuse me one second, my my earphones is tweaking here. Well, this is the perfect time to just bring Kitty in. Kitty, your mic is live. Check in. Greetings to my beloved sister Rafika, my beloved brother James. I w- oh, what a joy it is to be back with you on the Keys 107, and we got some really great information to share this evening. That's beautiful. Wow. That's beautiful. So, Kitty, let's just go into. Um, Discussing what raw foods is, because we did promote you as Chef Kitty Awadu. I know we're going to talk about the seven principles of optimum health and longevity, but let's talk about raw foods. You know, when we're looking for the perfect models of how we can best manage our way through life, nature gives us all kind of models in absolute abundance. And if we consider that the evolution of our biological form as human beings takes, I mean, from the beginning of life, some 500 million years, but for the last 3 million years, a distinct differentiation for us as humans, we can look to nature to see how did nature design our bodies to eat, to provide the fuel for the life that we are living. And you know something? In nature, we can find no examples really natural examples of cooked food. There is no microwave tree, no convection oven bush. In fact, any times we would encounter temperatures above 160 degrees, we would always go out of our way to avoid those, those environments. Um, we really think about, you know, um, raw food, the vegan, vegetarian lifestyle, etc. You know, nature didn't design things out of order, but Mankind, in our pursuit of uh, conquering nature, we have put many things out of order. If you think about it, humans eat meat, and they eat that meat cooked. Why do they cook the meat? Because they have to kill the pathogens that exist within the meat. 
but I frequently ask this question. Name one other animal that consumes meat that must cook that meat or else the meat will kill him. Everyone comes up with the same answer. There is no other animal that anyone can think of. So when we're talking about living food, raw food, one, it fits the natural order, but two, we find out there are many great advantages to it, such as less destruction of key vitamins and minerals, um, which are um, definitely impacted by the cooking methodology. Also, when we heat food to different temperatures, beginning from about 135 degrees, critical temperatures at 160, at 191, at 212, 250, 350, and 500 degrees. Every time we cross one of these critical temperature thresholds, the molecular structure of the food changes. That's how scientists create chemical bonds in the laboratory. They use heat. And the same thing happens when we combine different proteins and sugars, or classic example, when we heat them up above 250 degrees on up to 500-plus degrees, we actually create carcinogenic cancer-causing chemical bonds that the body just simply does not recognize because nature never put us in a situation where our food was heated up like that. last point I'll make about raw food is that the enzymes, which are in living plants and living uh, foods, these enzymes are a critically necessary part of our natural biological design for digesting food. And it is a known fact that when you heat your food up above 135 degrees, 140 is considered to be the absolute critical temperature, the enzymes are deactivated. They no longer are working for us to break down the proteins to allow us to digest the food. Well, the body has to make up for this deficit, and in doing so, the body taps into the white blood cells, which are part of our bone marrow system, therefore demanding that the bone marrow create a sufficient supply of white blood cells to break down the proteins in the food we're eating, and that is actually the equivalent of us getting sick three times a day when we eat cooked meals. Wow, what a way to start a show. You see, you don't open up the the the, uh, the minds of our people because most times people are thinking that the only way to eat food is to cook it first. And you just showed That's us in a very brief scientific way why that theory is, should be thrown out the window. You know, one can, one can recall that condition which exists after eating a heavy load of meals such as Thanksgiving. How do people feel immediately upon eating that meal? Well, they feel like they need to go to sleep. They need to pass out, what we colloquially call the itis. But mm-hmm. in medical terms, that's actually called digestive leukocytosis. And again, leukocytes are white blood cells, and osis, therefore, meaning a condition that is out of order. So we get this digestive leukocytosis to a small extent by eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner the way the standard American diet has it, or on these holidays when we just kind of go buck wild on it, it becomes very obvious that we are knocked out akin to as if we had had the flu or something. That is because the the immune system is making such a great demand on the production of white blood cells that quite simply the body says, hey, go to sleep. I need all the energy to to fix this mess in the stomach. Mm. Wow. Well... I think at this point, I I want to start to venture into the topic of the seven principles of optimal health 
and longevity. Now, all of what you said falls in line in those seven principles, but we want to break it down into some components. And with your help, you know, we're going to start with breath, breath management, and also the impact of exercise on longevity. Very, very good. The seven principles of optimal health. This is a fundamental course of our teaching in living superfood research. And I do caution people, well, some of us have really done a very good job with one, two, three, or more of the seven principles. In actuality, we must have all seven of them optimized and able to order our life up the way we need it to be. So we begin with the breath. Why do we begin with the breath? Because it is the one of the seven principles that denied it you will live a very, very short period of time. And when it comes down to the breath, most of us really don't take into account the extent to which proper management of breath, which also includes the oxygen-carrying capacity of our blood, so it goes into nutrition and to hydration as well, but the proper management of breath really provides the fundamental of energy within the body. And everything, every process, from thought processes to the immune system to motor function to longevity, everything is based around the efficient production of energy. Energy is produced in the body in a little engine inside of each cell called the mitochondria. The mitochondria uses the fuel it uses is called glucose, and that's derived from the complex carbohydrates we eat. The sugar in our blood is the fuel. And that, like, just like any other engine, the fuel must be combined with oxygen. So getting proper oxygen not only within the body, but getting it to the cellular level allows us then to produce the energy from these cells in the form of what is called ATP or adenosine triphosphate. It's the essential form of energy within the body. And again, remember, this energy is created not from external heat, but from the body's own internal combustion. The other important thing about this is that, and in the book we talk about numerous techniques, breathing techniques for lowering the blood pressure, techniques for resolving asthma attacks. Literally, you can use a technique for breathing that can solve an asthma attack without having to use the inhaler and these other type of things. But chronic deprivation on the cellular level of proper oxygen is one of the key factors that feeds the growth of these mutagenic cells, which are once oxygen deprived, they then become cancerous. And so therefore, proper management of the breath is one of the most fundamental techniques that we can do that will prevent us from running great risk of developing cancer. Now, what kind of exercises could impact this, um, enhance the breathing and, 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 and impact our longevity in terms of our lifespan? Mm-hmm. Now, when we come to the seven principles, number one, we always begin with the breath. Number two is hydration or water. The very basis of all life in the known universe is water. Then, of course, there is nutrition. We talked briefly about that, and there is so, so much more with nutrition. Then come things like rest, exercise, detoxification, and, of course, our mental and spiritual state. It's very much a part of the seven principles of health. But when Mm -hmm. we talk specifically about exercise, I'm glad you mentioned that 
because exercise and the breath, just like exercise and all the others, are absolutely complementary, and each one of them feeds the other. Um, the breath feeds our ability to do sustained exercise, especially if we're talking about um, um, uh, weight training. Um, I do a routine every day where I wake up and I'll do, um, this morning I did 150 sit-ups and 61 <laughs> push-ups. Why well, you know, push-ups? Well, it's because I just had my 61st birthday, so I figure <laughs> if I can do a push-up for every year that I'm traveling around the sun, I'm going to be probably doing pretty well up to 120 years of age. <laughs> beautiful, okay. beautiful. And the key really to be able to do these push-ups, because I'm constantly challenging young men, I walk in and say, all right, anybody in the room, let's have a push-up contest. I'm old enough to be your daddy. Some of you, I'm old enough to be your granddaddy, so I'm only going to spot you 15. And then I'll generally beat them because I know that key to doing these exercises is breath management. The reason our mm. muscles tense up when we're doing these, these heavy exercises is because we're being deprived of oxygen now on the cellular level in the muscles, and that causes the growth of what is called lactic acidosis. This lactic acid cramps up the muscles. But if you're getting enough oxygen on that level, it delays the formation of this lactic acidosis so the muscles don't cramp up so well. So exercise is very key. There are different types of exercise, basically three types of exercise associated with longevity. First, there is the cardiovascular exercise. That's where you yes. get your body in a medium state of exercise, so where it's challenging your lungs, challenging your heart, increasing the blood circulation, and increasing the production of endorphins in your body, the chemicals that make you feel so good when you exercise. So that is very, very key critical. The second type is, of course, weight training or resistance training. This mm -hmm. is especially good for people who are aging, especially women who are susceptible to osteoporosis, that weight training strengthens the bones as it also directs the energy moving through your muscles so that your muscles don't atrophy from, you know, the sedentary lifestyle that many of us are leading. And then the third type of exercise, also critically necessary for those of us who are combating the effects of, uh, of aging or of uh, maturing, the third type of exercise is called balance training. We do know that one of the key medical conditions that affects older people are falls. So therefore, doing balance training with things like yoga, like Tai Chi, and other types of, of these exercises that require us to have a, a good sense of balance and a movement and a flow within our muscles are very, very good. So if people want to live long, they need to get that exercise in. It said that 20 minutes of exercise per day, seven days a week, plus a little bit more, 150 minutes a week of moderate level or moderate to high moderate level exercise will extend one's life expectancy by an average of seven or eight years. Just the exercise mm -hmm. alone. Mm. But 20 minutes, Katie? Wow. I, but but 20, 20 minutes, seven days a week. Yeah, 20 minutes, seven days a week. You always can skip a day and just do longer exercise. You don't have to do all 20 minutes in one session. You can break it up in several sessions throughout the day. But um, it is said that for every seven minutes, no, excuse me, for every one minute we exercise, we get seven minutes 
of extra life expectancy. Mm. So it's a good investment. Absolutely. Mm. So now we've covered so, so far two of the seven principles of optimum health and longevity, breath management, and it coincides and complements the exercise, which has three components. But I believe you talked about hydration and um, uh, how that affects our our health and longevity. Can you go into that for a minute? Oh, absolutely. Hydration is so, so very important. If we think about it, when humankind, humanity, when science is looking for life elsewhere in the universe or in the galaxy, the first thing that they're looking for is the presence of water. We are on this beautiful pearl, blue-colored, water-covered planet because this is the best place for life. And 70% of the surface of this planet where we inhabit is made up of water. Similarly, the healthy body is made up of about 70, 71% water when we're in our adult years. A baby, a newborn in the perfect health that they are, they're about 85% water when they're born. At, in the later part of our, of our years, as we age, our water content of our body naturally starts to decline. And it's said for men, once that water content of our body declines to below, I think it's 62% or so, we are essentially entering the um, final stages of life. With women, they get a little bit more leeway, um, but it's, it's, it's key and critical that we must stay hydrated. The number one symptom at death is dehydration. So literally, people, if you are in, in danger or you know someone in danger of dying and you want to put it off, just drink a lot of water and you can delay it day after day. That is very, very important. And, wow. of course, we also have to keep in mind that our bodies are designed optimally to hydrate through primarily water, secondarily through um, water-containing vegetables and water-containing fruits. We have a tendency to want to take concentrated fruit juices. Unfortunately, the sugar, the fructose balance in those can be too high for us to be able to sustain life. Hence, we run the risk of becoming hyperglycemic or too much blood sugar. And a lot of us, and especially within the American standard American diet culture, have substituted coffees and uh, sodas, um, fruity drinks, um, Gatorade and these other artificial drinks that are made up just of chemical processes, have substituted those for the proper hydration. Even with water, we still have to be careful. In my book, Living Superfood Research, I identify nine common sources of water and say what are the benefits or the detriments of each of them. So we really have to take some time, put in the time, and study our critical need for hydration. Mm, beautiful. Well, you have in your you have in your appendix um, just to share with our listening audience. You talk about dehydration prevents the accumulations from being washed out of the cells and the tissues. That's right. That's right. We can have the detox buildup because we're not properly hydrated, therefore putting tremendous stress on the body's internal organs: the liver, the kidneys, the um, pancreas. And, of course, the lungs and the heart and the brain, all of which suffer terribly 
from dehydration. And if we consider the way that Americans eat and drink and live, I can safely say at any given time more than half of the people living in this country are in some state of chronic dehydration. Mm. Of course, we recognize the symptoms of which should show up, and we do have the statistic, and it's recently um, elevated rather dramatically, that now 60% of Americans over the age of 20 are on some form of prescription medication. Mm. Oh, Gee, wow. that's, that's a high percentage at a it's very young age. Shocking. At a very yeah. young age. So this is something yeah. that we could we could do without much um, study or anything. It's just about drinking sufficient amount of water, and um, you know the the best water. Like you said, making sure that this water is not tampered with, and we don't have a bunch of chlorine in it. The whole thing. Um, but I remember coming up as a child and watching Western movies. When a guy was about to die, they said, give me some water or give me some alcohol. So they confused the issue. They're giving you, uh, calling, they want to sustain their life. Water will help you sustain life because water is life. And then they give you alcohol or ask for alcohol to, get, uh, to sustain them. And really we know that alcohol is, uh, dehydrates you and, and brings about death. So these little simple things that we never even pay much attention because it's entertainment, they're actually putting it on the, on the TV for us to really recognize that there's a good way and a bad way to sustain life, you know. Absolutely true. And you mentioned about alcohol, you know, commercialized uh, television in America. You know, it really comes down to it. If they advertise something as food or on television, chances are it's bad for you. I mean, you can almost just write that rule across the board. And they're always promoting the idea of beer as some sort of hydrating element for when the weather is hot or whatever. But it's absolutely just the opposite. There are some components in beer, such as the hops, and beer does have water in it, that are really, really good for you. But when you mix that up, when you confuse the body by putting alcohol in the mix, and the alcohol is not only dehydrating, Brother James, as you did point out, but the alcohol is also a neurotoxin. It actually interferes with the transmission of information between adjacent nerve cells, which have to which use a process called glutamate to transfer billions of bits of information every second. Well, alcohol confuses that process, and alcohol also is a is a uh, liver toxic um, a toxic toxicant to the liver. And the last point is is that oxygen interferes with fat. And essential fatty acids are absolutely essential for the structure of cellular material in our body's tissues and organs. And so quite simply, the promotion of alcohol within this culture, the way it's promoted through mass media, is one of the great lies and deception of our times. And it's one of the cruelest hoaxes ever perpetuated upon a naive public. Mm-hmm. Well. So I'm not staying in sequence of any sort. It's just what comes to mind that I'm bringing forward to you in terms of questions. But we realize that rest is essential and that in your latest book, you speak about the powerful impact of melatonin 
and our need for sleep. Can you talk about that? That's the uh, 19th chapter of, the, of your newest book out. Yeah. Um, melatonin is absolutely powerful. The book, Living Superfood Longevity, subtitle, Master the Possibilities of High-Quality Life Extension, it goes into, we begin the book really talking about the status that we're seeing, um, the evolution of humanity versus the de-evolution of humanity. I propose a rather radical hypothesis right in the first chapter that we are currently witnessing the human species split into evolutionaries and de-evolutionaries, and we better take that seriously. So we go into all of the main aspects of what we know causes people to age. And, of course, the sleep process, which we're designed to have that occupy about one-third of our life experience, the sleep process is absolutely necessary, somnolescence, as it's called in, in the scientific terms, because this is where our body go puts us into a mild trance and then is able to focus all of its energies on repairing the systems, going through a complete systems check of the 15 different interrelated systems that make up our body. And it repairs them in priority. Many of us wake up in the morning and we're not, you know, comfortable. We have to reach for the coffee pot, struggle with the alarm clock. It's because you didn't repair all of the stuff that needed to be repaired when you were asleep. Now, the process that puts us to sleep is a wonderful chemical system within the structure of the brain called the pineal gland. The pineal gland tunes us into the circadian rhythms, the rhythms of night and day, and it is definitely helped along and triggered by our ability to see the sunset and sunrise. Therefore, our eyes naturally, seeing that the sun is going down, then trigger uh, the pineal gland to produce higher secretions of melatonin, not to be confused with melanin, which many people do confuse the pineal with melanin and melatonin, two different topics, very important mm-hmm. topics, but two separate topics. So once this melatonin is produced, then the body starts to drift off into this sleep state. Very important because many of us now stay up late at night with a computer screen or television or artificial lights interfering with this natural circadian rhythm of the sun. But once we go into that somnolescence, that rest period, the body can then repair all of the things. And then naturally, with sunrise, the eyes start to notice it's getting brighter, and then they tell the brain to produce more dopamine. Dopamine is the let's get motivated brain chemical. That once the dopamine is released, we can then naturally wake right up, and if we've gotten our good rest, we can then wake right up and be able to move right into our day, creative, excited, and energetic. One other point, and this is a good point for the brothers, that many of the brothers wake up with the flagpole standing straight up, reaching yes, for the sir. stars. Mm-hmm. Well, you know something? The body prioritizes its healing. And when we are in a situation where we are sick, we are not prone to reproduce ourselves. Right. Sick people don't reproduce. That's why these people are using all these Viagra and these um, drugs to try and get that wood going again. It's because you're sick, and your body has turned that off because it needs the energy to get you healthy before you even think about reproducing and being responsible for other people as well. So, brothers, Mm -hmm. 
a good indicator that you are in your optimal health and that you did get a good night's sleep is that right before sunup, the flagpole goes straight up and lets you know you're on course. Once that thing starts to dysfunction like that, then we really got to start going through the body systems and say who is not getting their complete rest and repair every night because if we don't do that, these things build up over time until finally we start to develop what is called chronic disease. Right. Malfunction of your equipment. That's right. <laughs> Listen, I know um, I briefly uh, read a few things in the book on chapter in Chapter 17 about sex and the evolution of aging. Uh, you had uh, reviewed a gentleman's book um, by, uh, I think it was Nick Lane. Uh, can you talk to us about that a little bit? Because I thought it was very interesting, your critique. Yeah, Nick Lane's book, um, it deals with oxygen, and I'm seeing the book on my bookshelf, and I'm not um, flipping through, but I think it's oxygen, the molecule that uh, ruled the world or created life. Very, very important. And in the book, he does talk about the evolution of sex, and it does directly relate to aging. And this was very revealing to me. I'd heard parts of this, but never heard it explained this way, is that there is a difference between reproduction and sex. And again, once again, within this culture, American culture, our conceptualization of what sex is is completely, completely distorted. So reproduction and sex are both means of replicating the species, replicating to make a copy thereof. But the difference is this, is that bacteria reproduce. And when a bacteria reproduces, what it does is that bacteria, many times a single-celled or very simple organism, what it does is it makes a direct duplicate copy of its chromosomes. Its 46 chromosomes are then copied. So inside of that bacteria, as it's preparing to reproduce, it now has 92 chromosomes inside of that bacteria. And so, therefore, once that happens, then the... um, that organism starts to divide itself. It creates an equator around its belt, which then tightens up until finally it splits itself into two, each of which are an exact copy of the other. That's called reproduction. Mm. The thing about it is is the bacteria do this very, very quickly, and they have extremely short life expectancy, most times not living to be more than two days before bacteria perish. But if we look at the process of sex, it's just the opposite. An adult male, an adult female, each of whom have 46 chromosome pairs in their complete body, they then create a split in their 46 chromosomes into two pairs of 23 chromosomes. The woman produces two pairs of 23 chromosomes that are based upon the X model, where the man will produce 23 chromosomes and an X model and a Y model, which is why the sperm determines the gender of the, um, of the, off of the species. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, we split ours into two. We don't copy ours and make a clone of ourselves. We split ours into two. Search out, and it's more difficult to search out the right chromosomes to pair with, which is why we've got to be real patient about picking the partner to raise children with. But once we do find that and partner up, 
Then our 23 chromosomes from the male uh, that's in the sperm mate with the 23 chromosomes that are in a woman's ovum, and therefore they conjoin and form 46 chromosomes. And at that point of conjunction of the 23 pairs from each parent, that is where true life begins. So let's be real clear about that. You know, there are so many new understandings about this that we now have because of this detailed scientific research on longevity. I am so excited, as you can tell, and I think you got excited, too, when you started reading these type of revelations. And, of course, the last point is that sex does demand much longer life expectancy than does reproduction. Bacteria might live for two days. Humans, we know now, can live to be 120 years and can still be replicating themselves as late as 70 or 80 years of age. That's for men. For women, probably the ultimate top end of their um, replication stage would be about 45 to maybe 53. Whoa. So you're listening to the Keys 107 uh, here on um, hit here with Chef Kitty Owadu, who is talking about the seven principles of health and longevity. And we have covered so far breast management, hydration, rest, and exercise. And we even discussed the importance of sex. And I don't think Hedy is talking about uh, commercial sex. I think he's talking about it more on a reproductive level. And Kitty also no, mentioned that. And the technical word would be replication, now that we know that reproduction is different. Mm. Replication, yes. Mm-hmm. So get your pens and your papers ready. Review your notes. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to jump right into optimized nutrition. How's that, Kitty? Oh, I look forward to the conversation. Hopefully some people out there will be motivated to call in and talk with us, too. That's my favorite part of the show. Yes, I was just going to mention that the call-in number for those of you who are listening in via the Internet or uh, tuned in through the chat room, the call-in number is 213-943-3618. The Keys 107 will be right back. The Fluff presents the alphabet is available on Amazon.com and on Kindle. So get your copy today. For more information, visit them online, www.thefluffamily.com. Now, 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 back to the key, 107 with your host, Rafika and Brother Jay. I promised we'd be back, and I didn't take long. So we are here with Chef Kitty Awadu. Uh, Brother James is here. I am your co-host, Rafika. We have some callers on the line, but you got to press the number one on your keypad to let us know that you want to talk. And we're very happy you're here, and it's fine if you just want to listen in, but why not take a moment and talk to Chef Kitty Awadu? We have a hand raised. Kitty, I'm going to go straight to that caller then we'll go into the um, optimize, optimized nutrition right after. Caller, your mic is live. 
Caller, can Nora, you hear us? You may want to... Omar, you can Hello? speak. Your mic is live. Omar? Okay, he has may, no music mic. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, well, we'll wait until he, he, he does that. And, and until then, let us go into the optimized nutrition, eating for longevity. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk to us about extending our life and the quality of our life through eating properly. And, and what is, break down, Kitty, what does optim, optimized nutrition mean? Because we know nutrition, but what does optimized nutrition mean? Well, optimized nutrition is really getting the best bang for the buck. Getting your food the freshest, getting your food the cleanest, meaning not contaminated with industrial chemicals, pesticides, and long-chain molecules like um, food colorings and preservatives. Optimize means getting your food in the most natural state possible. And if we can also find foods that have the greatest spectrum of nutrients, usable nutrients for our body, without cluttering up with a bunch of other stuff, um, superfoods is what we call those. And my particular brand is called living, meaning not just raw, but the food is actually a live food that we're attempting to find and to put into our bodies. Living superfood, the foods known to have the densest concentration of the eight critical nutrients that we need to survive, then we're really, really doing well. When we talk about these eight nutrients, first, of course, we talked about hydration is so critically necessary. Vitamins are necessary, and again, when we cook our foods, most of the time we're neutralizing the ability of those foods to convey vitamins to us. So that's another reason to eat raw foods, living foods, is because the vitamin content is optimized. We do need minerals, absolutely critical part of our bodies. If we remove all of the water, we're left with about eight pounds of dust. That eight pounds of dust is minerals. And so minerals are absolutely essential to our being. Then, of course, we need amino acids, and we get those amino acids from protein. So, you know, people are always saying, well, if you don't eat meat, where are you going to get your protein? That's actually not even the right question because all life-based materials are made of protein. Plants, vegetables are all made of protein. So we're getting protein from the same places the cows, the goats, the sheep, and everybody else got it from eating plants. The critical question is, is where are you going to get your essential amino acids? There are some 23 different or maybe 21 different amino acids, which are the building blocks of life. Proteins break down into amino acids from which we then reconstruct new proteins, which form the molecules of our body. But there are some seven or eight of these that our bodies do not naturally produce so we have to get these essential amino acids from our food. It's not necessary to have to eat meat, which comes with a lot of baggage of its own, to get these essential amino acids. You can consume seeds, nuts, things like sunflower seeds, chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds, different nuts like walnuts and almonds. These will contain the essential amino acids because once you think about it, the nut or the seed is the whole nutrient for what will eventually become a plant, even a mighty tree. So it's got to have all of the amino acids in it to be able to supply that. So we have, again, hydration, vitamins, minerals, 
proteins, essential amino acids, essential fatty acids are very, very critical for the structure of our cellular material. The liquid, the fluids between our joints, etc., essential fatty acids. And, of course, omega-3 fatty acid is something that we need to be consuming from external sources where our body can make omega-6 and omega-9. And then there is the critical need for fiber, especially mm. we as African people. We left Africa where an average, our natural equator-based diet would contain 75 to 85 grams of fiber every day from fresh, raw, organic sources. We come to America and we eat pizza and macaroni and cheese and meat and potatoes and sodas, most of which have zero fiber in them. Or in the case of white rice or brown rice, where the fiber is being stripped away before we consume it. And we now eating a diet... The USDA recommends 25 to 35 grams of fiber a day, less than half of what we naturally consumed as Africans, but most people in America only eat about 15 grams of fiber a day. Hence, we have these pandemics, these epidemics of colon cancer and stomach cancer, which is all about not getting enough fiber in our diet. So you said the... Brown rice, which perked my ears, is also stripped of its nutrients? Yeah. Brown rice is, has been stripped of, of critical nutrients. It's better than the white rice, but it's not whole rice because they do strip the germ away from the brown rice. It won't, it won't sprout. If you, if you soak it, you know, most seeds that are whole that haven't been cooked, you soak them and they will sprout. Brown rice will not sprout. So the best mm. rice to get is called wild rice, which in actuality is not necessarily a rice. It is more of a, a, a grain, like a wheat type of grain. But wild rice is not only so good for you, it's got that deep black color, which indicates the density of minerals. That's what color always means in our foods, the presence and the density of minerals. But it also tastes absolutely fantastic. Anyone who's ever tasted wild rice, it tastes had a naturally nutty taste. You can actually eat it without any seasoning. It's very, very good. And we actually have a process for making wild rice without even cooking it. Mm. Talk, talk to well, us about that. You are <laughs> yeah, well, what I do with wild rice, because it's very, very hard, very dense when you get it. And what I do is I score it. First, I put a couple of cups of it in my food processor, dry and then I turn the food processor on so that the blades actually kind of score or nick the surface of the wild rice. Then I just um, soak it in water, and if I leave it for about 24 hours, it'll plump up. If I need it a little bit faster than that, I'll just put it out in the sun or in my solar dehydrator, which I've actually built for myself, and it'll plump up in about six hours and be ready to consume. And you're keeping all the nutrients in it because you're not cooking it. That's absolutely right. You know, when we cook the greens, you know, we get the greens fresh off the plant. That is 100% of its nutritive potential, 100%. You pick it off an organic plant, you rinse it, you eat it, you're getting 100%. When the greens stay in the refrigerator for a day or two, the enzymes then start to break it down, and then it starts to lose its potency because the life force 
is being spent in breaking it down. If we cook the greens, the first thing we notice is that the color leaves. The more that we cook, the hotter that we cook the greens. Once that color is gone, we know that we're altering the principles of the chlorophyll, which provides that bright green color in it. And chlorophyll is literally the plant's equivalent to human blood. Most people are unaware that pure chlorophyll, because it chemically, structurally resembles human blood so closely, can be transfused into the human blood, just like a blood transfusion with no problem. Pure chlorophyll. And that's absolutely amazing because we can... We don't have to put it into our veins. We can just drink it, and it does the same thing for us, increases the oxygen-carrying capacity of our blood very tremendously and basically helps us to defeat all pathogens and invaders in our body. So, but see, our grandmamas used to know they would cook them greens, and then they would pour the liquid to the side, the pot liquor, and they'd pot reserve liquor. it for the babies, for the children, or for anyone in the family that was sick because they knew that the pot liquor contained a high amount of minerals that had been stripped out of the greens when we cooked them. Well, now we know better. And if you do want to cook your greens, here's a simple tip you can use. Just take 10% of your greens and pull that to the side. You can cook the greens, but then you take the 10% and you blend it and you mix it in with the cooked greens, and the enzymes in the raw portion will make up for the deficit of the enzymes that got cooked out of the other portion, and you won't get digestive leukocytosis, the osis, from eating cooked foods. Mm. Wow, what a, uh, what a, uh, a pot of um, gems there, the wild rice that is, is best for us, the deep black color, the density of minerals and everything, nutrition in, in it, the pot uh, uh, liquor, the chlorophyll, wonderful gems for those who are listening we should run around trying to find this stuff right away and put it into our uh, our physical system here. So so very true. Yeah. I want to point out one one other thing. While you, you just remind me, Brother James, mm-hmm. I put the book out called Living Superfood Longevity. Doctor Sebi, Doctor Alfredo Bowens, he you was teaching this. Yeah, he was teaching this that nature held all of the answers. Queen Afua. She teaches this, that nature holds all of the answers. And my book follows the same pattern. We are like fingers on the same hand. We're all coming from this hand that nature did it best, knew it best. But we're living within a culture of people that have always tried to prove that they were smarter than nature. Now, we're looking at some of these new technology-based approaches towards longevity. Mine is strictly based upon the laws of nature, moving in with that order. But we have like the Singularity University uh, um, created by Peter Diamandis, and they have their longevity product project, radically extend our lives with new technologies. You have another one. Google formed this company called Calico. We're scientists from the fields of medicine, drug development, molecular biology, genetics, and computational biology. They're trying to create longevity with technology and science. We have the Zuckerberg Foundation, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook. They're trying to extend life through technology. Why are all of these tech billionaires chasing immortality? Because ultimately they're looking for another way to sell us longevity. Mm. And there's a big difference between what they do and what our geniuses 
Dr. Sebi, Queen Afua, myself, and a number of others. Dr. Goss, I could continue naming their names, Tim Morrow. There are a number of us who are saying we don't need to spend tens of thousands of dollars on this unusable technology, when in actuality, all we have to do is go find a coconut tree. Go ahead. Mm. Wow. Now, we have now covered five of the seven principles of optimum health and longevity. We started off with breath management. We talked about hydration. Uh, just just this last uh, segment, we dealt with optimizing uh, nutrition. We talked about rest and exercise. Now, I would say uh, two that we haven't spoken about are basically some of our favorite topics to talk about. Uh, all of them are equally as important, but two of our favorite topics are detoxification and the mind and spirit alignment. Let us start with detoxification because we have uh, uh, been down that road with you before, and it's something that you do consistently, and you're actually a role model for those of us who are trying to uh, detox ourselves daily, monthly, annually. So let us begin with that detoxification uh, uh, communication. And today, um, today is the uh, equinox, and I, I remember right. you telling us, Key, that you always fast um, during this time. That is right. Thank you for remembering that. That's beautiful. And for scheduling me on the day of the autumn equinox in ancient Kemet, to which we realigned many of our cultural values, these crossings, the equinoxes and the solstices, were some of the most important days of the year. And so we keep that to heart. But yesterday I did commence and begin on my 28-day quarterly detoxification fast. In the book Living Superfood Research, I specifically lay out in a chapter my nine stages of detoxification. Some of, I think it was listed as seven stages, but a couple of them I've sep- separated and clarified even more since the book was published two years ago, three years ago. So today I begin what is called the initiation phase of the nine phases of the fast. The best way for me to initiate it is the fastest known healing technique there is, and that is called water fasting. Now, Mm. I caution people out there, before you engage in water fasting, take a day or two or three and study up on it, because it is somewhat intense. It can have some rather rude surprises if you don't do it the right way, and you do have to be alert to your body to how it handles. But for most of us going 24 hours, 48 hours on water only is not going to cause any problems. I myself have been able to go seven days on water only, uh, but then again, by about the fifth day or so, I'll start to notice some things going a little awry when we get hyper hypoglycemia from the blood sugar dropping so low, as well as um, some things like cramping can happen when we get mineral depletion. But so I'll initiate... This time I'm going to do three to five days of water only. I will, by the end of that, start taking some mineral supplements so I don't get the cramping. And then from that, I will then move on to colon cleansing. And I'll use a combination of Cascara Sagrada. Sometimes I'll use CKLS, Dr. Goss's formula, which is an excellent excellent herbal laxative, combined with 100% prune juice. 
and water, and I'll do that for two to three days until my intestinal tract is absolutely completely evacuated. Now, remember, all throughout this process, I am not only exercising daily, but I increase my exercise regime every day as I'm going into the fast. So the idea that we get weak when we're doing these type of fasts is actually not necessarily true. The body is an amazing machine. And in fasting circumstances in nature, when we couldn't find food for days at a time, the body would actually get stronger so they have the ability to walk longer, climb higher, to do other things, to be able to find food. So we, therefore, are pushing our body to get in that natural order. At the end of a 42-day fast, one day I did 610 sit-ups in one set with no break. That is at the end of a 42-day fast. Mm. So we go through the different phases. After that, we then, two times a year, I flush the liver and gallbladder with the olive oil cleanse. I'll be doing that in another week or so. That's always a big challenge. Uh, it helps you to stay at home all day long with your two-ply accompaniment. But a day, a day or so after you finish that mess, it makes you feel like you're 10 years younger. You definitely feel it. So it's definitely worth doing that two days a year. So is that So we go day? then through I'm sorry? Is that um, the, olive, the olive oil flush, is that the third phase? Yes. Yeah, that is about the, the third phase, the olive oil flush. Um, sometimes I'll mix things up in, in different orders, no rigid order, but we'd like to, first of all, just get the whole gastrointestinal tract clean. I also do, in the early phase, a parasite cleanse. I do that every quarter. I've been doing that for 13 years. Most people are unaware that if you've never done a parasite cleanse, you most definitely you have some companions that are living off the food that you're eating. And especially if people have pets, they wouldn't think of not cleansing the parasites from their pets, but then they don't realize that your pets are leaving parasite eggs all over the house. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit of a shock, but, you know, that's okay. We're all learning and we do with what we learn that which advances our best self-interest. And so, you know, I don't mean to shock people. I just want people to be encouraged to step up, live up with the book, Living Superfood Longevity, in your hands and following the instructions. You now have a chance to extend your average life expectancy by 30 years. For a black man, that's instead of dying at 69, now you can live to be 99. For women, they can live to be over 100 now. And better yet, of that life extension, we're talking about quality years. So instead of starting the onset of geriatric diseases, which mean diseases of aging, when we're in our 30s and 40s, now we delay the onset of geriatric diseases until we're over 90 years. So that therefore the last 60 years of our life we're going to convert 50 of those to high-quality life years. Beautiful, beautiful. Let me say this. Before I start breaking out the chant, no more pets, no more pets, I want to go back to <laughs> <laughs> I, want to, I want to go back to the parasite cleanse. What That's exactly right. do you do to rid the body of unwanted or unneeded parasites? 
Yeah. What I do is I combine the parasite cleanse with my um, herbal laxative and 100% prune juice phase. So that way, not only are we attacking the parasites, but we're moving them out real quickly before they can get reestablished, moving the Mm -hmm. eggs and the parasites out. And you really need to do the parasite cleanse for about three or four days, depending on how quickly you're evacuating your whole gastrointestinal tract, your alimentary canal from the rooter to the tutor. So I use a parasite (laughs) cleanse compound which will have most of them are going to have four or five different ingredients in them. Things like um, uh, sweet wormwood will be in it or sweet anias. It's always also called Artesemia annua is the technical name for it. It will also have um, walnut, black walnut hull in it, which is a known parasitic cleanser. Cloves will be in the parasitic cleanse. And so you'll get a, com, a, a combination of these, and you can just get it in the form of eye drops or capsules and just use those. Um, one thing I find really interesting, if you ever go to an Ethiopian restaurant, when they bring you your tea, you'll notice that even before they put the, the tea bag in the tea, the water will be colored and have a little aroma. That's because they make their tea with cloves in it, and cloves are a natural anti-parasitic. Many mm. of us make Remember, as we grew up, there would be cloves in the ham. Do you remember the cloves in the ham? Yeah, called a curry. It, it was not only there as a spice, but the cloves also helped to get the parasites out of the pork. Ugh. We didn't grow up eating pork, Kitty, but I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen other, you've known some people who ate pork. Yes. I know the pictures. Yes, I know the pictures. Those you know, holiday pictures. Now, yeah, see, and you know I, that the the pork has a trichomoniasis worm. The parasite really is in it to a very great extent. That was one of the great lessons that we got from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad about let's stay away from that parasite-ridden pork. That's yeah. right. So, Kitty, I, I just want to make a comment. That I have three pins here taking notes and. My my special gel pens, all of them are out of ink. So <laughs> I just need to know, is is this uh, nine stages of detoxification available in any of your publications? Yes, it is in the book, Living Superfood Research. I have three books in that series now. Living Superfood Recipes was the first one, 110 raw superfood recipes. This is what I've been eating for seven years now. The second book came out, Living Superfood Research, talking, telling the people why, why this impacts and affects the body on the cellular level, the microbiological biological level. What is the science behind the logic of eating natural? And then the third book, which it came out in June of this year, Living Superfood Longevity. Essentially, let's put it all together and let's extend our life. I try not to overlap the books too much. So people are saying, well, do you put the recipes in the new book? I said, no, that was in the first book. And there will be a second book of recipes coming out later this year. So I highly encourage people to go to livingsuperfood.com and begin your magnificent journey. It is a great investment. I'm sure the both of you know it's a great investment. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, we we did the um, detoxification um, with you, and it, it was amazing. It was, it was. 
from it start was. to finish. Yeah. 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 And did you feel um, like it? You felt younger after it was all said and done. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I think it was. I think it was one of the most pleasant uh, cleansings I've ever done. Just oh, so beautiful! The whole, the whole uh, flow, and how we ended it with the blueberry juice, and then the the, the cranberry, and then the pomegranate juice. That's Absolutely. right. But you know That's what? Was right. Even even before we got started, it was the mindset of having the opportunity to have met you on air, talk about this. And it inspired us to say, you know, we want to do this. And the shopping, just going to Trader Joe's and this place and that place to find all the stuff that we wanted and needed to uh, start this fasting or cleansing process was also illuminating. So we really, I don't know if we said this to you, but it was absolutely one of our highlights of, of activities that we have done together, my wife and I. So we appreciate Wonderful. you. Wonderful. Oh, just to hear your testimony fills my heart. It is, you know, sometimes we're not compensated for all the work we do for the larger community and society, but when we hear these personal narratives and these anecdotes of, yes, this makes a big difference in my life and our life and adds value to it, that in itself really encourages me to want to do even better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, your information and I, I just love your approach. Your approach is very simple, but it's very scientific and you back it up with research, which is what a lot of people don't do when they tell you don't eat this or don't eat that. They don't have no research or, or, or anything proven to, to back it up. But we have a, um, a sort of a question from one of our Facebook friends in the chat yes. room. The person wants to know... <laughs> Why do healthy things have to be more expensive than non-healthy things? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I cannot hmm. think of anything more expensive than sickness. Hmm. Sickness in the United States costs the government, costs the country, $3.25 trillion a year, which averages out to $10,000 per person, $10,000 per person. Now, when you consider that on average, the average household is spending $35 per person per week, and we equate that over the course of a year, then what we're spending on food equates to less than $1,700 for the year. Sickness, 10000 Food, 1700 I mm. myself excuse myself from the medical industries. I haven't even been to a dentist in over 30 years. Why? Because my teeth are an extension of my bones, and I know I treat my bones good, and my teeth follow the bones. So I don't go to dentists. I don't go to doctors. I had a run-in with the front bumper of a drunk driver's car one time, but I left the hospital that night and decided to do my recovery at home. At 61 years of age, I've never been on prescription drugs, and I know how much people are spending on diabetes medication, high blood pressure medication, all of these drugs and hormones and things that people are taking, prescription, that's actually making them sicker. So I always contend that healthy is the ultimate um, uh, economical lifestyle. Not only is being sick expensive on a yearly basis, but at the last year of life, and most of us are dying way prematurely, the number one cause of death in America is death by doctor, iatrogenics, and my new research 
proves that beyond any debate. But mm. the last year of life for the average cardiovascular disease death or cancer death, they take $50,000 out of our budgets, out of our family's inheritance money. They Medical industries take that, and then they give you back a dead body. Mm. Well, that is powerful, powerful. Let me just say the, the, uh, the person who wrote that um, in the chat room actually had an opportunity to come online. On They are live, actually. Umar, your mic is live, so if you wanted to uh, say something, oh. you can go hey. right ahead. Oh, hey, how you doing? Hi, Greetings, speaker. Brother Hi, Umar. brother uh, James. And yes. well, you are coming guest? in loud and clear. Okay. Now, while everything that you said in response to my question is absolutely right, I find that that's because you have all the information. When you're dealing with people who are, who are just trying to get by, they're trying to get those the paycheck to paycheck or however they're doing it, they don't have all that information. So immediately to them, you go to key food, it costs one price. You go to the, the so-called healthy place, Whole Foods, and it feels like they're jacking the price up tremendously, especially for stuff that's missing. You know, they say organic because we don't put chemicals in it. And my logical question is, well, if you've taken chemicals out of it, why does it cost more? If I have to feed my family, I would like to think about that future hospital stay, that future diabetes, but i got to feed my family. So how do you make the point, how do you make it easy for people to understand because especially if you're young. Young don't see death or diabetes or what's coming on down the line. They see, you know, what's in front of them. Uh-huh. Like, well, was that clear? good questions. Good points. Excellent points that you make, Brother Umar. And it is complex. It does require us to sit down and, like Brother James and Sister Rafika, come up with a family plan. Once we come up with a family plan, our creativity, even sit down to the process, our intuitive creativity starts to kick in layer after layer. And you know something, Brother Umar, and I know you agree. When it comes down to it, black people are incredibly resourceful, creative, and industrious. So let me just give you a few tips on how I cut my healthy living budget down as much as possible. For one, I do not eat out at restaurants. Very rarely. And maybe I've gone two years and eating out only maybe once during that old course. Now, because I'm traveling now, I'll eat out at restaurants maybe twice a month. But even when I'm on the road, I prefer to go to the grocery store and get my food and have it available in my own room. I can live off simple foods like avocado and peaches and salad and these type of things. Two, I grow my own food, organic, in my own backyard. In places where I didn't have a backyard, I grow on the stair steps. I grow on the patio. If I don't have stair steps and patio, I'm going to go get me a dozen jars, ball jars with a cap and the lid, and I'm going to do sprouting right on my kitchen counter because I know that sprouts are not only organic, but they have the highest life energy potential of all foods, fresh sprouts. And you know something? I can buy a bag of seeds that I would use for sprouting mung bean seeds or garbanzos or sunflowers or chia seeds and or broccoli, I can buy a whole bag of those for 2 $3 and have enough sprouts to last me for a month, organic sprouts right then and there. So there are all kinds of techniques. 
One of the things we do is we do frequent dinners and potlucks. And I'll have people come over. They'll want to get one of my 10, 15, 18-course meals. So I say, hey, come on over the first Saturday of the month. We're going to have a feast, a dinner in the movie. I'll charge them $35 for a feast that would cost them $75 if they went to a raw food restaurant. And guess what? They have paid for half of my food for the month and my budget and shopping. And the last point is, is we can do things like find out, find farmer's markets. Farmer's markets where you can get good, healthy, ripened, and many times organic produce right from the farmer who grew it. Cut out all the middlemen so you get a maximum bang for your buck. And many times, such if you go to a farmer's market on a rainy day, the farmers don't want to haul all that stuff back home and hope it lasts till the next farmer's market. You can say, I want that whole big lot of what you got. How much are you going to charge me for it? And then you can split that up between you and your friends. So you make an excellent point, Brother Umar, that for the average family, based upon the means and methodologies that they have been providing food for their family, eating clean is expensive. I don't like to go to Whole Foods because when I go to the store, I go on Wednesdays to get my fruits and vegetables for less than $30.00. I carry out eight bags, but when I go to Whole Foods, I spend $55, and I can carry it with two fingers in one bag. Mm. Mm. So you're Mm -hmm. making excellent points. This is where Grandmama's intuitive knowledge and wisdom serves us well, that we preserve her powerful knowledge and wisdom and our mother's powerful knowledge and wisdom. And my father, who raised us as a single parent, he was the most industrious man I ever ever knew. And when we he built our new house, he put in a huge garden, including seven 100-foot rows of strawberries. And we grew our own food. He put our own orchards in. We grew our own food. And I just love living that way. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Omar, I... Did you get an earful for that? But we take notes now. We keep a pen and pad. So no, I don't. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not in the capacity to take notes. It's just that, like I said, when I was on the political trail for the Bernie Sanders campaign, I was pointing this out to them, too, that what you're saying is absolutely right. But you've got to wait, there's got to be a way to find a way to say it so the Irish person, you know, because you, we all have a better understanding of these things. We know the complexity. But the average person really does it. Mm-hmm. Let me let me just touch on that point because you make oh, an excellent. That's so important. You make but, an excellent you know. point there. But here's the thing, brother Umar. This is the reality. The average person in America is in poor health. The average mm. person eats like an American. The average person is going to get cardiovascular disease. You know, cancer in ancient Egypt, when everything we had was natural and organic, cancer had an incidence rate of 0.25%, one quarter of 1% incidence of cancer at death. In the year 1900 in the United States, it was up to 4%. In the year 2000, it was up to 24%. Right now, cancer in the United States is right around 33%, one out of every three people, and they're predicting in our children's lifestyle it's going to be one out of two. So when we say the average person, I am trying to tell people, get out of that queue as fast as you can. When you see a long, long line that says, I am an average American, get the heck away from that line. There may be only seven people 
in our line to live a healthy, disease-preventing lifestyle. And, yes, we will have to go out of our way to do so. I go to places and I see people making healthy, vegetarian and vegan food, even living food, raw food, and they serve it in an aluminum foil dish. I won't even eat it just because I am averse to heavy metal toxicity. That's one of the reasons part of my detox program is chelation therapy, to remove these heavy metals and minerals. So, yes, it is a bit inconvenient, but I can assure you, Brother Umar, at age 61, when I, just before my birthday, did 80 push-ups one day in one set, no break, when I can do three to 400 sit-ups and not really stress myself, and I can say that I've never been on pharmaceutical drugs and I have zero medical ailments and my man stuff still reaches for the sky when dawn comes, my brother, I tell you, it's a good investment. It really is. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Now, let me just say this. Rafika and I have a good, good friend uh, who says, let average go. Mm. You, you just put it out there. Let average go. We got to shoot for, uh, if we want to have optimum life, optimum health, we got to go for the gusto. Let average go, and we all will live longer and healthier. That's right. So, now, um, we, don't, we, we don't let the average people go, though, because everyone is precious in our world. I'm trying to teach the very, very people that Brother Umar is illustrating that, yes, Umar, you're right. We cannot leave these people behind. Okay. But I think I, I want to wrap up. The, the, the point in a lot of people don't really think of getting some seed and a pot, even if you don't have a big garden, you can do pot gardens. And those mm-hmm. pot gardens can be placed in, in your home sometimes or even on the windowsill. And we're not programmed because marketing doesn't promote that way. You're so right. And having those plants around also is an essential part of our being. Remember, we're African people. The part of the planet that made us black and that made other people around the equator dark-skinned also filled our lives with green, vegetarian, lush rainforests and all kind of beautiful things. The oxygen in that environment was so much denser than the oxygen I'm getting right now in Nevada. So we're going to do what we can to do, what Dr. Sabi instructed us to do. Go find your nature in nature and live that nature again and then live for real. If we continue Mm. to follow these people, eat like them, drink like them, want to screw like them, then we are not going to be able to survive because their nature is very much distorted away from the nature which the Creator gave us. All right. Well, Kitty, we are coming nearer to our closing um, hour, and I want to go into the mind and spirit alignment, and then I want to talk a bit about how we can get all your products and all of your uh, websites, social media connections. Let's just go right into the mind and spirit. This is a great way to wrap this up. Yeah, and, you know, this conversation has so wonderfully naturally flowed from one of the seven principles into the other. So we've actually been talking about the mindset with Brother Umar's commentary and his questions, too. So it really is bringing us there. You know, the, the medical, Western medical science, well, I spend a lot of time examining scientific papers, peer review articles, medical journals. I've been to 
the Allied Medical Health Library at the Centers for Disease Control four times, Johns Hopkins, UCLA. Oh, yeah, I love these libraries, even though the best library of all is my organic vegetable garden, like George Watson Carver said. Mm. Nature teaches me through the plant itself. But I spend a lot of time. And they talk about the thing they call the placebo effect. And for those unfamiliar, the placebo effect is when they're testing out a new drug, which they think can help us out, they'll test it into two groups of people. They'll give them a, a blind study. So no, with, neither group knows whether they're taking the real drug or the real substance or taking a sugar pill or a fake pill. But what they do find is that a significant number of people who take the non-drug, the non-therapeutical drug, maybe a sugar pill or some innocuous pill that doesn't do anything, they will get better just as if they had taken an effective medication. They acknowledge this is consistent. It's called the placebo effect. What you and I now can call it is called epigenetics, meaning above genetics. And so we find that there are these pathways by which our cells, our, the, the, the cellular membrane which covers each of our cells, communicate with the external environment. And we can influence those pathways with the way that we think and the way that we act, with our emotions, with our stress hormones caused from when we're upset, etc. So by optimizing our influences of environment and optimizing our mindset, we then use this, this pathway called epigenetics to influence our body on the cellular level. Therefore, our thoughts become things that influence our natural health. So therefore, it's very important for us to have a sense of community. People in relationships, people who are married or in, in you know, bound relationships, live longer. They stay healthier, more disease-resistant. Um, they're looking at the longest living people on the planet, the women of Okinawa. They have a very strong community support system well into their 90s and into their 100s. This is a key critical part. This is why people in religious organizations live longer than those unaffiliated. It is a sense of community and communality and, and socialization. It's a very important part of our healing. So they say you are what you eat, and that's true to a certain extent, but I say you are so much more than what you eat, how you think, your worship, your pray, how you hang out, how you exercise, what you drink, how you breathe. You are all of that and even more. Mm, mm. Wonderful said. I think I, I want to kind of squeeze one more thing in because even though you wrapped up the seven uh, principles of optimum health and longevity in such a wonderful way with that mind and spirit alignment, I do want to ask you about something that you mentioned to me, um, and I only got two or three minutes, about is it um, itrogenics? Am I saying yes, it right? Iatrogenics. Yeah, iatrogenics or... Death by doctor, death from yes. bad medicine. Mm. You know, there's the media just keeps jerking us around with the uh, police killing of the day videotapes that are out. On average, in the United States, every week, police homicides will take the lives of some nine people. So if they can pull out two of those nine in one week and put it right in our face again and again and again, we have to realize to an extent we could be being manipulated. This year, 
in the United States, it is expected that police homicides will take the lives of 400 black people and about 1,092 of everyone in the population. But if we consider the impact of medical errors in hospitalized situations, medical errors in outpatient situations, adverse drug reactions, improperly or properly prescribed medications that are just failed therapies, bed sores, hospital-acquired infections, antibiotic-resistant bacteria, when we add all of these iatrogenic sources of early premature death together, we find that for every one person in America killed by police homicides, 975 will be killed by bad medicine. Mm-hmm. That is the total of one 911 killing spree when 3,000 people died in one day, every day in America. And for black people, for every one police homicide, there will be 425 death-by-doctor homicides totaling 170,000 Americans. Black people in America will die prematurely because of encounter with a medical pharmaceutical drug complex. That equates to one 911 every seven days. That is alarming. That is alarming. It's absolutely is- shocking. Over 400 black people killed by bad medicine today, yesterday, tomorrow. And we think about it. Most of us volunteer to queue up for that death machine. Wow, that is a way to end the show. <laughs> you leave that on someone's mind, and you that you left something for them to think about. So, uh, Katie, this has been a wonderful, wonderful show. Um, so much information. We covered so much ground, and we really do thank you for coming back on the keys and blessing us with the information that we need to increase our life and have life more abundantly, live longer, live healthier, live happier. Thank so this you. is right. a good That's time. Right. This is a good time, Kitty, for you to give out your contact information and um, the titles of the last three, the series of the long of the longevity books. That's right. Well, I thank you so much for this opportunity. Do go to Living Superfood. No S, livingsuperfood.com, where we say food is nature's most perfect medicine. So your food should be your medicine. And I can assure you, and I think we've all dined together. I'm thinking that we did. Um, Medicine, they never tasted like superfood before. It really tastes absolutely fantastic. And so that's the perfect way to do it. The books in order that they came out six years ago, we came out with Living Superfood Recipes. 110 of living superfood recipes. It's what I eat. And in the second book, followed by two years, living superfood research, actually followed by three years. That book was a lot of writing, a lot of research, a lot of references that had to be double-checked. The latest book came out in June of this year, so it's brand new, Living Superfood Longevity. Master the possibilities of high-quality life extension. You have been reading it, and I know you can vouch for it. It's loaded with useful information. I'm going to kind of insist everybody out there, you've got to make your commitment. As you said, Brother uh, James, staying in the pattern of ordinary, of average, is unacceptable at this point. 
we are an extraordinary people, and that's the lives that we are leading and the future that we aim to give to our children and their children. LivingSuperfood.com. Let's win this. And if people needed to email you, Kitty, do you give that out publicly? Yeah, they can email me at info, I-N-F-O, at chef, C-H-E-F, Kitty, K-E-I-D-I, dot com, info at chef, com will get you right through. I look forward to hearing from people. I do one-on-one consultation. If somebody's out there on high blood pressure medication, give me one week. Then get off the medicine. If you're mm. on uh, diabetes medication, it takes 21 to 28 days, and you get off of it. We can prevent these disorders and diseases, but we cannot do it if we continue to eat like Americans. Mm. Wow. Kitty, I I always enjoy talking with you. And as Brother James and I said to our listening audience, Kitty just uh, put it out there. He offers one-on-one consultations. And I highly recommend that if you have any disorder, it's so simple. It's it's not complicated. Keys family, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for tuning in. I am Rafika, your co-host. And I'm Brother James. James. We've been listening to the conscious roster, Mr. Kiti Awadu. Thank you so and much, my brother. We are listening to that music in the background is the music by Ernie J. Smith, South Africa's gem. And that's Odette's song. That's one of our favorites here on the Keys 107. All of our shows are archived. You can listen to them on iTunes. You can listen to them in the Blog Talk Radio archives at the Keys 107. And you can check us out on our website at www.keys107network.com. If you have any show suggestions, any topics that you want to cover, any particular guests that you want to hear from, shoot us an email at suggestions at the keys107network.com. Good night. Good night, you all. You're listening to The Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness with your host, Rafika and Brother James.